Hello, world. What up? This is your boy, Reggie Dokes, and I'm co-host of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scene Podcast. This is episode six, and we are moving right along. So in this episode, we are introducing to you guys Detroit Techno 101. What? What is that? Well, let me tell you. It's an education curriculum that focuses on sharing the story of Detroit techno through the lens of the locations that enable the art form to develop in the great city of Detroit. Detroit Techno 101 was created with the Music Origins Project, which is run by our producer uh, of this soon-to-be-released documentary, David Grandison, who was also a native Detroiter. Detroit Techno 101 will challenge students to explore the landmarks and institutions from radio stations and labels to record stores that created Detroit Techno using uh, VR 360-degree technology. It will also be providing students with an understanding of digital storytelling across mediums we use in the film. Today, we'll have with us uh, two of our producers, uh, Jennifer Washington and David Grandison. Reggie, how could you forget to talk about your mix? That was Reggie's live mix from the Impulse 2 event Memco did with us for Black History Month. That was so dope. If you want to check it out, you can on YouTube. The link is in our link tree. Up next, guys, we have Miss Karen Wilkinson, who is a retired Detroit educator who taught at both Cass Tech and Renaissance High Schools. And, you know, it's crazy because Karen is my classmate from Cass Tech, uh, 1986. Shout out to Cass Tech and Karen. So she's here, guys, to discuss with us the importance of teaching the story of Detroit Techno to young people and future generations. Let's hear from Karen. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, next episode of our Behind the Scenes podcast. Karen Wilkinson, thank you for joining Dave Renison and I. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Dave. Um, my name is Karen Wilkinson. I am a native Detroiter, born and raised in Detroit. Um, I went to Cass Technical High School, as Jennifer did as well. I've been a teacher in Detroit for 30 years or close to 30 years and I actually retired in 2020 but I'm still very active in the educational community. I'm glad to be here and thank you for inviting me to share some of my insight into what you guys are doing. I'm really excited about your project and I can't wait to see the final piece. Yes, so are we. We're excited to have you here. So what what is it like being a librarian this day and age, how has it, how have things changed? Well, you know, now everything is gone. Everything is digital. Everything is web-based. So now we do all our databases and journals are online, whether we get it through Michigan Electronic Library or we pay for subscriptions to other databases. Um, ebooks are big, we do a lot of ebooks. Um, everything is basically digital. 
Um, you will have some occasions where some teachers are telling students they need to use some print resources. So they will have to come in and, you know, actually pull an actual book or some other kind of, you know, uh, reference uh, book to do their research. But even those items now are online, they're web-based, everything is web-based. So it's kind of pushed, you know, we don't necessarily have to have the physical books in, in front of us to run a media center, a, a 21st century media center, because now everything is digital or web-based and students are at home and they can access those same material that they're doing research and they can just do it at home. They can sign in to a library management system and it links them to a database so that they can pick all their journals or um, news articles or newspapers that they're looking through archives to do all their research. Yes, and that's kind of what I wanted to get more towards from an educator's perspective. What's so important about archival materials and old newspapers and things like yeah. that? What's the value in this? Why are we teaching this to kids? Even though, you know, it's really easy to access this stuff now. Information is so easy. Well, you've got to have this historical information and in which we take those pieces and archive. And like as a librarian, I don't, I didn't study archives, but I'm familiar with it as a, a study um, in my master's program to become a librarian. You've got to have the kids, we try to teach them that those primary source documents, those like a flyer from the parties we used to go to, that would be considered a primary source document. So we want to make sure that they understand that you've got to take pieces with historical pieces or current things and keep them, categorize them and archive them so that you can learn the history behind them and what the value of those items are when you're studying it down the line or trying to pass down this information to the next generation. And sometimes they're like, oh, okay, because we, I use the Library of Congress a lot of times to look up um, uh, old information. We were talking about the civil rights movement and you can go to the Library of Congress and go through their archives and get primary source documents, things that they put in their collection. So we're trying to teach the same thing with present day things that students say, hey, these are some things you need to keep. And they don't, they think, oh, it's just a piece of paper. I'm like, yeah, but we can turn that into a digital uh, format and then keep that as a collection. And that's what you guys are doing in your filmmaking. You're taking these historical pieces, things that, you know, that back then, you know, um, we've got to preserve it because people often didn't. You want to have a collection so that it can be passed down from generation to generation and you keep it going. You keep the history and that knowledge going. So that is critical. And, and I think the kids get it, but they want it digital. We're like, okay, guys, we can turn the same stuff into digital, digital and archives, digital archives. It's the same thing and how important that is for future generations. And that's what you guys are doing with this film. You're taking it, you're digitizing it, you're showing it, you're taking clips and movies and all these different things, but it's coming from a place that we have to document it. It's really important to document it. I, I love what you just said about, you know, primary sources, because I think that's one of the um, things that is really important for students to understand that primary sources are documents, primary sources can be audio, exactly. primary sources can be video, but primary sources can be your mother. If she was a witness to a event, you can 
speak to your mother or your grandmother and you can capture that story and that's one of the things that's very important you know as a filmmaker um you know i think myself jennifer um christian are all very very sensitive to the fact that we've got to capture and document the stories Mm -hmm. of our ancestors because these stories are primary source um interviews and they were at these places so me speaking to you I can speak to you and I can interview you on a party that you were at that mm-hmm. one of these top DJs that we are interview that we are that we're talking about as a part of our film and you become a primary source and that's the interaction that uh, I think you know wh- one of the things that we're building into our Detroit Techno 101 course is teaching students to interview their elders as mm-hmm. primary sources because those are stories that are going to be lost like tears in the rain you know to use a blade runner quote if Mm -hmm. we don't talk to these people and get these stories from them and capture them exactly i 100 percent agree and they don't think about it like that they're like oh and a lot of times we'll do assignments we say hey go back and interview your grandparents or an aunt or an uncle or an older person somebody from your family and again those are primary sources um, uh, sources because you're come, they come, they're directly sharing those stories from them and passing that on. And you can keep that information in a format where you can go back and gather it and look at it or listen to it later on. Exactly. I mean, that comes to fa- your family histories. Uh, if, and if no, for no, no other reason, students need to be capturing these stories of their family's past for their family history. Now, if they really want to now take it to the next step, they should be finding subjects that are important to them and documenting those stories and those on specific subjects and cataloging that information and saving that information and writing that information as well as keeping a recording of that um, information, both video and audio. You know, those are just things we're not necessarily teaching people. And and that's really, I think, one of my core goals, you know, and I think our, our, our film team's core goals is really to pass on teaching digital storytelling to young people. Um, you know, again, for, for me, it, it also extends into um, location-based information. You know, yeah. there are all of these locations that are a part of our history that we walk in and out of every day. And many times students in Detroit don't know that the laundromat that they, are, they go into used to be a historic space uh-huh. uh, that, 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 you know, was, was something that was really special. And, you know, if we can kind of tell these stories and teach young people to tell the stories of these buildings that the facade might have changed but that building had a really special history and and talking to a grandparent who went to that building when it was something else allows us to start unlocking those stories as well and that's really uh, you know i think you know one of the reasons that you know this detroit techno 101 course is is using the stories of uh people teaching students to capture those stories but also Mm -hmm. teaching them to look at geolocation you know so that we can create that um that stem tie-in using geolocation using uh, latitude longitude teaching students to use virtual spaces that are available in maps you know and and teaching them to start using all of these elements to tell these Mm -hmm. digital stories I mean, I what, do you think, what do you think students, you know, do you think students are, do you think there's a need for that type of thing in schools? Oh, of course. Um, it's, it's trying to make sure they can understand the connection. You kind of explain that. 
as well, like making those connections between what's the importance of like, why are we doing this? Once they see that connection and they're like, oh, okay, now I understand why and tie it to, because now the schools um, are so um, key on data and you talk about STEM, we've got science, technology, engineering, and math. So tying those skills to some of those areas and making it relevant to your own personal Detroit journey or story. You say, okay, we're gonna use these skills and we're gonna tie that to digital storytelling. Are you writing down, you could write your own book or you could do it in a, in a movie, video, or whatever it is. It's putting that connection. And once they see that, they're like, oh, okay. Now I, it makes sense to me. But a lot of times it's just harder to because that's the creative juices flowing. Sometimes we got to get kids into a, a creative space. And a lot of times I feel like sometimes the schools are so structured and they're so, you know, looking at the data and the numbers, they don't, they don't really, really try to hone in kids on that creative space. So that's how you bring that out is using tiny in some of these hard skills with the creative merging the two so that you can have these new, you know, things, these new projects that are going to go on for years and generations to come. Since we started this project, we've been you know, working to build partnerships and raise money and all these things has been very hard to do because <clears throat> for a long time, no one saw the, the value in this. Right. And so, but we kept trying, we kept applying and each time we applied, we had to real, I had to realize how to explain why th this whole story was important and why it was urgent. And um, I had to you know, so then we started talking about an educational curriculum to go along with the film. And I didn't even really know what that meant. You know, at the time, yeah. educational curriculum, okay. So I had to start pitching it. Like this was more than just a two-dimensional 90-minute film, you know, about techno music. So I had to really dig deep and, and understand why this was so important, why this is urgent to tell now, why it's important to share with young people and, and all of this. And I have to admit that, well, the whole time Dave has been talking about this location <laughs> stuff and all this archive stuff. And I, honestly, and then Christian would be like, you know, the flyers, we gotta get flyers, such, such flyers. and such has flyers and this and that. And I'm like, what's the big deal about flyers? I didn't understand until now, because once you see the flyer, along next to a, a original source, you know, like a Santonio Eccles speaking about, you know, a certain club. And then you see a flyer with his name on it. And then this old school font and they're wearing, you know, a Luomo jacket and all that kind of stuff. You are kind of soaking up pieces of the past, you know? So the flyer is a representative of things from the past. And when you're exposed to it, yeah, you are enriched by, you know, something from the past. So now I understand the value of a flyer, you know, so hats off to you, Dave, because you have an, a flyer archive, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, think wow. of flyers as the um, equivalent to posters 
in the 20s and 30s. In the 20s and 30s, you had these block presses that would create posters. Now, then that converted into flyers because we were walking around. We wanted something we could put in the pocket. We weren't putting <laughs> up on walls in Detroit. We were passing something hand to hand. And so that evolution is something that is valuable because these are images that are just snapshots of the past history. And so, you know, now, you know, we're, we're trying to capture that. And Jennifer's, you know, you're bringing out a book that's going to be capturing and showing all of these various types of artifacts, these original source documents that can really mm -hmm. help you stitch together the history along with a geolocated look at where these places, where these things were happening, you know, and, and trying to kind of get students to understand that, yes, this thing there was this place and there were these institutions these places where people gathered and these served a purpose in your community they had various reasons for existing and we have digital analogs for those spaces now but if we don't have the discussion about the purpose and the goal of collaboration collaborative spaces and spaces where people can create together, then we're not doing what we should be doing for our students and our young people to help them to be able to move on into the modern world of digital creation, which is right. in itself collaboration. I was just thinking, would every, so, you know, this is Black History Month. I watch a lot of historical um, documentaries and this week on PBS there was a show it's called the black church the history of the black church I watched that I watched a lot of historical documentary type um, movies or films or tv shows and I was just thinking what if someone had not documented that those ideas or those images or those stories or those interviews Think about Alex Haley. What if Alex Haley had not done the research and gone back through old interviews and photographs and stories and created roots? You know, we have the images and the and the you know, um, uh, what is it, the capacity now to watch something like that or read about it. But what if that person had not gone back to do the research like you guys are doing to create? this, uh, the history behind Detroit Techno, you're creating that, that somebody in 50 years is gonna come back and say, look at Jennifer and look at Dave and look at Christian and they created this masterpiece. So thank goodness that we have people in the past that have documented that, but we, we you have to do it to continue storytelling of whatever genre it is, whether it's music, movies, TV, writing, whatever it is, someone has to document it and create it and archive it. And you guys are doing it. It's so important because I'm like, thank God for Alex Haley that went back and gathered all the information to create a roots and what that uh, slave passage looked like and what that looked like for me to watch it current day. And all these other series of people going back and gathering the information like I watched the Black Church this week, um, Henry uh, Louis Gates. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't even know all this information about that. And thank goodness he went and gathered. And that's what you guys are doing. It is critically important. And it's important that our youth understand that that process is meaningful. There's meaning behind that process of us telling our own stories, creating the stories, creating the content, doing the research to bring it all together, because it's us. It's what 
how it's how we're going to move forward as a people. Yeah, I mean, your your point is, I, I think, very, very, very important. And one of the advantages that the Black church has is that media creation is a part of the church. You've mm -hmm. got somebody who has a camera who's videotaping the church service. And before mm -hmm. that, you, you know, you've always had that camera for the people mm -hmm. who are at home. Currently, we have analogs and environments where media creation is going on. But if we don't teach young people that they need to document that media creation, they'll end up in the same situation as Detroit Techno is in mm -hmm. that we now have to go back and prove that we created Detroit Techno because we um, were not actively documenting that history. And that's why it's taken us 10 years to make this film because wow. we now have to go back and we have to grab all the pieces and we now have to prove something that we created is our own. And it takes us 10 years to do it. Whereas now the reason that we're teaching young people to do this is because they're creating new mediums constantly. They're creating mm -hmm. new genres constantly. And if they're not documenting it, if they're not putting a name on it, if they're not saying that we created this, we're gonna put a marker down and we're gonna claim this and give it a name. And we're going to say that we are the ones who put this name on this thing. That's mm -hmm. the process that we have to teach our students to be able to allow them to own these things. And again, that's my core goal. And I think our team's core goal, one of those core goals is teaching young people to do that. The Music Origins Project, the website that, um, you know, the, the, the educational components mm -hmm. to this are living on, that's the goal of that website is we're allowing people to say, I created this genre. I want to put a name on it and I'm going to now own that genre and I'm going to create a story around who created that genre with me. And now that's something that can live on because Wikipedia is not doing it. We will no. not accept Wikipedia as the reason for that. And you know, again, one of those reasons that you've heard, heard previously in, the, um, in, 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 in our podcast was one of the first things that caused me to react was when I went in and changed Wikipedia because I knew I something that. was wrong mm -hmm. in Wikipedia. And it was immediately changed back by popular culture to what the culture was telling us it is. So let's own it, you know, and, and thank you for kind of helping us reach in and figure out how we can get this into the hands of students, you know, because I, I really appreciate your taking the time to kind of talk to us about that. Well, I think it's a genius that as a part of the project for the documentary that you're creating, then I know you said you've got like a coffee table book and then you've got this uh, educational piece that just ties it all together. You've got to have an educational piece to kind of say, this is why it's important. We're trying to create ownership, entrepreneurship. This is coming, created for us, by us, like that old FUBU, you know, back in the day, FUBU, for us, by us. But, and, and you have to show kids that this is why this is important. And the schools have got to get on board with more of that, I think. They, they are slow sometimes because it's like I said, it's more of that creative side and sometimes they're more on the, oh, we don't have time for that. We just have to, you know, do our, our math, English, science, social studies, and, you know, we'll get to those things on the back end if we have time. But I think it's important that you take these set, like the curriculum that you created, Dave, that you guys are using and infuse that into what is currently being taught because it's all related. It's all gonna support kids being their own entrepreneurs and creating and being creative and doing different spaces. It's gotta be infused at the same time. 
And um, I appreciate what you what you just said, and I'm glad you see what we're doing. One of the inspirations for this episode was the news item that kind of um, came to light this month about WGPR getting its National Historic Landmark. Now, why is this important, Karen? Um, and you know, the woman, I don't know if you guys know, the lady that actually did all that work, she died yesterday. <gasps> Karen died. Oh, you didn't know? I'm so She was sorry. supposed to do an interview with us, and I never heard back from her. It's like, that's so strange. I, I am sorry. 68 years old, her husband found her. She passed. We, we discussed her this week, mm-hmm. and it's it just really, oh my God, that's so sad. So that's why that this is really important work, because and, she and you, did all that work to put that museum and, together, right? Exactly. And then she got the national um, registration. Yep. And if it hadn't have been for her, it would have not been together like it is. It's wow. it's, it's a museum. And so the, if for those of you who don't know, WGPR mm-hmm. was a TV station and a radio station, the first Black-owned TV station and radio station in the country. And it featured one of the shows that we feature a lot in our film, which is called The Scene. And so it was a platform for this music to launch. And I'm very sorry to hear about Karen passing. Her name was Karen Hudson Samuels. That's it. She passed. And I was, so I was reading about her work and her getting, doing all the work at WGPR and getting it established as a historical landmark. And she passed. I said, oh, wow, really sad. But her work was critical to, again, the history behind it, the first black owned station and then and how it became such an integral part of Detroit and music and broadcasting and her work behind keeping that legacy of that place alive. I never knew it was black owned. You know, this was news to my ears. I was happy to hear that they were able to put the museum together and they got their their landmark and all this stuff existed for people to access and to learn about and from. I, it, it was so much more than just, you know, the story of the scene. You know, there was right. so much more there than that I knew. Yeah, I mean, the story goes back to the 60s. It was in the 60s, it was the number one FM station in the country. Okay. And people don't know that, that this, this place was breaking ground from the sixties, you know, because, you know, again, uh, radio in its infancy was honestly what allowed many, many genres to, to, to sprout. And because it allowed people to hear musics of various types and they had shows of specific types of music. So mm-hmm. GPR was such a, such a noteworthy landmark, you know, that to, to really, you know, look at its history. And I'm just so sad to hear that, you know, she passed, but, you know, again, it's just, that's why it's so important to capture these stories. People like her are the reason that we can tell these stories, the reason that these, these landmarks are getting the respect that they deserve and aren't getting knocked down, you know, because they were trying to knock down United Sounds. They're trying to knock down every single landmark in Detroit is getting knocked down, you know, uh, what, 
you know, I mean, come on, we, we can go through, you know, how the, the freeway destroyed a whole segment of town in, in Detroit right. that had a musical legacy that, that, that is now lost. And so unless we can get these landmark status on these locations, many times these locations are lost and they're gone. And we don't have that story to tell to our kids and have these stories. So, you know, again, I, I really am so sad to hear that, but you know, her legacy will live on with that landmark and they need to put her name on that landmark. If they don't have it on there now, we need to get them to put their put her name on there because you know that's very important. Wow. You know, I think there was some discussion about Techno Boulevard, aka or Gratiot as we know it back in the D, um, <laughs> should get a landmark too. Um, what do you yeah. think about that, Karen? Like what would um, a land, a, a nationally recognized marker do for the spot on Gratiot that's known as Techno Boulevard where Kevin, Juan and Derek and Blake and Santonio, all those guys had studios in the eighties. What, what would it do? I think it just brings to, it highlights the significance of these guys starting this genre of this music. You know, we want, it, we want people to know nationally that this is where it started. This is where it from. Those are the guys that kind of put this, this musical um, um, type of music on the, on the map. This is where it began and you wanna market, you wanna show where it is so people come here. And Detroit is a music city, we're the Motown. So we're a musical place. Why hasn't techno been included in this musical city of Detroit where we're supposed to be Motown and we've got blues and R&B and gospel Techno should be right in there with the rest of them. It's that important and it should be marked and it should be included with the rest of these genres of music that we have. And, and, and we need to showcase that. It needs to be there. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, the reason that, that these uh, enclaves of multiple artists working together is again, based on collaboration. That goes back to Tin Pan Alley in, in the 20s, okay, in New York, you know, where all of the publishers were in the same area because it helped them to do business easier. You know, went on to the Brill Building, you know, the sounds were created in these places in New York. Now, this is in Detroit. These are places, you know, everybody's heard of Tin Pan Alley, but nobody's heard of Techno Boulevard. Why, why, wow, why? Yeah. How are we gonna now put the marker down and say Techno Boulevard is a place where the inception of techno happened. Not Detroit techno, techno music mm -hmm. happened on Gratiot in Detroit <laughs> next to Eastern Market, <laughs> you know, right? Where we, where we grew up every day. We gotta own it. We gotta own it. We gotta force these government people to recognize it and to make it a landmark so that it now can go on and, and be a part of the legacy that, that, that is the, um, the tapestry of musical history in Detroit. So yeah, we, we're fighting for it. We're trying to all do it. And, you know, again, educators like yourself, you know, are, are, are gonna be leading the way. And so, you know, it, it's just so important, you know, what educators are doing. So, you know, hats off to you for spending the time that you did in schools, teaching Ooh. media literacy, teaching students to, to, to embrace media. And now, you know, thank you for kind of helping us in terms of, you know, thinking about how we're going to now infuse this type of history into schools. You know, I, I think it's so important. So, you know. It's time. Sure. It's time. Techno should be included. It's, it's past time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
I have one more question. Um, I was inspired. I didn't know that March was National uh, Music and Schools Month. Um, I had no idea about that uh, being a thing, you know, in March. Um, what do you, what was your, um, what, how was, how was the music program at Renaissance when you were working? Can you speak to that? And did you have, did they have a music curriculum and how did that work uh, in 2020 or 2019? Right. Um, yeah, Renaissance had a big music program, but they, they, I think, um, I should say maybe should be expanded. So they have bands, they have orchestra, um, strings and things like that. But I didn't see like creation of music or, or different genres. Um, but all the schools have a music program and they kind of focus on or highlight um, instruments. They do a lot of, you know, band and orchestra and things like that. But I didn't necessarily always see the creation or learning about other types of music or other genres of music. Um, so they probably should open that up, but they do have a, a thriving music uh, department and music program. And I think it just comes back to who, you know, you guys are young and, and energetic and got these ideas about what we can do with um, new genres and, and with the technology and infusing it into creation and storytelling, they need people in there that can teach the kids how to go into that area. That may be an area where there are some gaps that they should say, hey, that's something that we haven't done before. Why don't we look into that and bring people in that can teach kids and, and infuse that into the curriculum because that's an area that I don't see them really, they not haven't gotten into yet. They kind of still do the traditional you know, a music curriculum and, and teaching. And a lot of it is, is for, like I said, orchestra, band, it's mostly strings um, and, and things like that. But I haven't seen them kind of venture out into other areas that they could do more with. Yeah, yeah, I hope that, um, you know, I, we're, we're living in a time when it's, it's harder for us to get students in front of instruments and to write instruments to students. This could be a unique opportunity in history to allow digital music creation mm -hmm. to become a part of the curriculum in schools. You know, maybe that's something that, you know, we can, we can take on, you know, as, as, hey, digital music creation does not require you to have anything but what's in front of you using Zoom, okay? Mm -hmm. That's all you need to create music with, uh, you know, digital technology. You can code with Python, you know, you can create music in these coding languages. And that's mm -hmm. something that's really overlooked many times is that Juan Atkins was a computer programmer. He was a hacker, okay? Wow. And all of the guys in the Techno 6 were computer programmers. They were programming media and making media. And until we really start teaching our kids that the creators of Techno were the, some of the first hackers you know, and they were the ones who were really programming different systems, you know, and then we go on to our Mike Huckabees, who were digital sound designers who came from that genre. And now mm -hmm. we have digital sound designers who are emerging and these are all programmers, you know, until we can teach people to respect the fact that even a DJ is a musician of a, of a, of a unique kind, 
who is splicing and remixing and remix using remixing culture to uh, you know to create new types of music until that's respected like it is in Europe we're going to be behind as a culture in the United States, you know? So, so yeah, I, I, I again, I, I appreciate, you know, what you're saying there. Let's figure out these new analogs because they're going to throw music away. They're going to say, nope. Okay. We can't give them a recorder. So we can't teach them music, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now. So let's give them something else. Let's say, okay, we, we got software. We can get this free to a lot of kids, you know, so hopefully we can do something like that with, with this project as well. Yeah, Dave, I think that would be great. I think that you just got to push them further because they're not really doing the advanced stuff that's available for them. And then looking at it, it's just like, oh, we don't have that, or maybe we haven't really ventured into that, but if someone is there and they say, hey, this is what we can do, this is what we can create, we can use what we have and kind of push the bar, and I think they, they haven't been pushing the bar when it comes to areas like music, they haven't pushed the bar far enough. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much for taking the time and speaking to us about education. Yeah, this was a fun conversation. And thanks for inviting me, guys. I look forward to Thank talking you. to you soon. So, guys, we hope you all enjoyed part one of our sixth episode of God Said Given Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening from, okay? In part two, we talk about uh, various significant locations in the Detroit area related to the story of techno. And don't forget, the film is due out in fall 2021, and we can't wait for you to see it. We appreciate you all supporting our independent filmmaking journey. A shout out to Stuart and New York City uh, and Andy in Illinois. Also, don't forget to head over to the uh, God said give them drum machine.com forward slash shop for our ongoing sale. You get 20% off, and there's new merch there as well. And you know, don't forget to head over to our YouTube where you can find all of our God said give them drum machine uh, behind the scenes podcast episodes. Shout out to EPM Music Team, Oliver, Addie, and Jonas. Also, shout out to Output for supplying me with uh, the great sounds and scoring this great documentary out of L.A. Big thanks to uh, Fusicology, Azia, and Amy. We appreciate you both. Stay updated with us, please, on Facebook and Instagram at God Said Give Them Drum Machines. And lastly, we'd like to give a rest in peace to uh, WGPR TV's Karen Hudson Samuels. If you don't know about this Detroit icon, please look her up. Be informed. She did a lot for our great city. Thanks for joining us again, guys, and uh, appreciate you so much. See you next month. Peace.